Hello and welcome to the Nature of Avatar, the podcast where we do deep dives into every aspect of the Avatar universe. My name's Otis and today I'm joined by Orion and Sola and we're going to be talking about the history of the Fire Lords as well as taking a look at their lives and accomplishments. Now, um, just before we um, start, I want to give you an overview of what the Fire Lord actually is. So the Fire Lord, well, as I'm sure you really know, is the, is the supreme leader of the Fire Nation, wielding great power within both government and state. The Fire Lord resides in the Royal Palace, located in the Fire Nation capital, and is usually a powerful firebender. The title has been held by Azumi since 167 AG, after half-father Zuko abdicated the throne, that's what I like in the Legend of Korra, but historically the role and position of Fire Lords has shifted in regards to their power and importance. The early Fire Lords were uh, the Fire Nation's foremost spiritual and temporal authorities, but government... Uh, the country alongside the fire sages and noble clans. Later, fire lords became purely secular rulers with theoretically absolute powers, but were often influenced or even controlled by the mightiest clans. From 3rd century BG onward, the fire lords gradually broke the nobles' influence, and by 0 AG, they'd become actual autocrats and had total control of the fire nation. But uh, over to Orion, who's going to talk about the history of them. Okay, so, right, in, in order to understand the situation of the Fire Nation uh, and the Fire Lords in Aang and Korra's eras, we need to go back right to the beginning. So, originally, the Fire Islands were divided up into many warring tribes. The first Fire Lord united them all and brought in an era of peace, appointing himself head of the Fire Sages. So, the Fire Sages are sort of like the religious leaders of the Fire Nation. Uh, So the power of the Fire Lords was limited as they had to rule democratically alongside a council of other Fire Sages. Um, But eventually the Fire Lords grew greedy for power and took it for themselves, reducing the other Fire Sages' influence on government and moving from a dictatorship to a monarchy. Despite the Fire Lord technically having absolute power, there was still a lot of instability due to quarrels within the royal family and the noble clans still holding a lot of power. The most powerful clans would often would often intermarry with the within the royal family, using their power to persuade their spouse or the fire lord, depending on their spouse's position, to favour their clan over the others. Economic crises, natural disasters, and political conspiracies could greatly weaken the position of individual fire lords, and the fire nation often suffered from civil wars. In these times, fire lords could become completely powerless. Under Fire Lord Yozor, the Fire Nation collapsed almost completely into separate states until Avatar Seto re-established the central government and strengthened the Fire Lord's position with political and economic reforms. Now, just to pause here a moment, I want to say a few words about Avatar Seto. So, Avatar Seto was the Avatar before Yang Chen, and he pops up quite a lot in the leg- in the Shadow of Kyoshi and the Dawn of Yang Chen. He was born in a time of economic instability and decided that instead of battling enemies and bringing uh, bringing the sort of natural disasters and stuff like that down through force, uh, he decided to work his way up through the Fire Nation government, refusing any promotions just because he was the Avatar. So I've always sort of, I mean, he obviously, if they knew we created a comic series about him, it wouldn't be the most sort of eventful comic series, but... Um, yeah, yeah, you know, like, a day in the life of Avatar Seto, he sits in a desk all day and types on a typewriter. Uh, I mean, it it, uh, it wouldn't be, he wasn't the most sort of fun, exciting Avatar, but um, Avatar Seto, I would say, I definitely admire Avatar Seto for what he did, 
because he was sort of, uh, he was a sort of cleverer avatar than most, because instead of just sort of being brutally violent like Korra, uh, he sort of um, decided to make his way up through the government and sort of lobby the Fire Lord from the top. Um, so eventually he became the Grand Advisor to the Fire Lord, which is the second highest job in the whole Fire Nation. Yeah, so um, Otis and Solo, um, do you have any opinions on um, um, Avatar Seto yourselves? I haven't learned much about him. This is kind of, this is all quite new to me. So I don't, yeah, I don't really have many opinions on Avatar Seto currently. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like him. I mean, I share a lot of the same values as you, Orion. I think he was a kind of uh, much clever, much more of a critical thinker of an avatar, uh, yeah, if you know like what I mean. It sounds like he had the right idea when it like came to doing what he had to do as an avatar. Yeah, and, and additionally, Avatar Seto was sort of a legendary avatar. Um, uh, and by legendary avatar, he, he is essentially is such, such a big... Um, avatar for the fire nation he has his own festival which not no no not many other known avatars actually have I mean, you um, could say Aang has one because of avatar day but like, yeah kind of debatable yeah but 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 yeah so seto has mm. his own festival and he got quite a lot of references and he sort of like for instance in the dawn of yang chen when yang chen says that her plan was sort of um created by Seto, then everyone trusted her. She she was lying, but everyone trusted her because Seto was such a big, uh, important person for the um, Fire Nation. And it's quite, quite funny because you know how all the Fire Lords and important people in the Fire Nation get their painting in the gallery? Um, do you- oh. Yes, yeah, so he is painted with holding an abacus, literally. So yeah. <laughs> that kind of gives you an idea of what kind of a Fire Lord he was. Um, but yeah, moving on. So during Fire Lord Gonryu's reign, uh, the Fire Nation pursued isolationism um, in the aftermath of the Platinum oh. Affair. So that was basically an attack involving combustion benders uh, in Yang Chen's time. Uh, with only the isle, the island city of Zhonduri designated as a special territory, ruled by a Shang Zongdu. Gonryu enjoyed the revenue that Zongdu Chaisi brought him, but he sent people to spy on her as he didn't want to see any Zongdu linger past their turn. Um, in the early 3rd century BG, so that's before the genocide, so that's 300 years before the genocide, uh, the position of Fire Lord Zoryu was assailed by his half-brother Chai Jin, uh, resulting in a crisis known as the Camellia Peony War. Uh, this succession conflict exposed once again the clan's great influence as well as the weakness of the central government. Zoryu and his successors consequently worked to finally disempower the nobles and gradually transform the Fire Nation into a dictatorship. So, um, yeah, Otis, you've read the Kyoshi novels. I, I, I certainly found this quite interesting that even though the clans were technically united well before it was, even in Kyoshi's era much later on they were still uh, a big part and they were still rising up against the main Fire Nation government uh, I don't know if you have any views on that I, don't, I mean I was really surprised when I realised um, that the clans were still like a thing I thought that they were like out way back when 
Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. that's only like that's only what compared to okay. Right now we're on what Avatar Korra. That's that's Ang, Roku, Kyoshi. It's not that long ago. Could yeah. be lifetimes ago. Yeah, I mean. So I mean, I was really surprised. Yeah, it, it is. It is three lifetimes ago. But I mean, it's it's quite interesting though. Like even though it's three lifetimes ago, um, Yang Chen lived for quite a long time. Um, so I'm just trying to find um, Kyoshi. Yeah, so Kyoshi was born th- three twelve BG, died uh, eighty two BG. So if I subtract uh, three twelve from sorry 82 from 312 uh that she lived for 230 years so that's a pretty impressive reign right so so if she lived for uh 312 years and roku lived for like 85 years uh and then like ang lived for like 160 years then we're getting it like that's a pretty long time yeah i guess i'm not getting avatars have like a life extension thing or something Yes, like... I, think, I think they do, and then I think Ang would have. Li- yeah, I think avatars live longer. Well, some of them do, I think. I think yes. it's like Kuro died at like in his early thirties. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, there's like kind of time stolen from other avatars. Like some avatars live longer or something. But Sola, do you want to carry on with that uh, talking about the um the later bits of um? Yeah. Or... yeah um, so yeah, Sola, would you like to talk about um? Sozin Azulon, uh, and then our sort of main focus for today, uh, Fire Lord Ozai. I haven't actually looked up the other two, so can I do Ozai and then you guys do the other two? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, do you want to do Ozai and then I've got some stuff scripted for um, Fire Lord Izumi, who is the current Fire Lord? Yeah, yeah, okay, well then I'll continue, I'll continue from where I am right now, actually, then in that case, um, and I'll just t- keep talking about. Um, Fire Lord sows it in then. Brilliant. And then, uh, guys, if you want a quick um, update, Orion will continue talking about some of the avatars. There, I mean, Fire Lords. Then Soda will talk about Fire Lord Ozia, and I will finish up with Fire Lord Izumi. Right, so by the time of Sozin, the Fire Sages and Nobles have been completely subjugated to the Fire Lord's rule. So, basically, by the time of Sozin, those had all been sort of taken down. So, Fire Lord Zoryu, then there was um, his... Fire Lord Zoryu and then Sozin's father. Yeah, so that's that's sort of in. Uh, it it was within um, Roku's uh, era actually um, that the Fire Sages were uh, the the uh, nobles were uh, brought down. Uh, but a threat to the Fire Lord's power emerged uh, when Sozin's sister. Zaysan uh, began to conspire against the throne by utilising a group known as the Guiding Wind, who were opposed to nobility and wealth. So that's quite interesting. So Sozin's sister is um, uh, is Roku's wife, and she is the she's basically she's half Fire Nation and she's half Air Nomad, um, and yeah, and she's basically. Uh, she she appears in uh, uh, in in um, Avatar Legends role playing game. Uh, so yeah, that that was quite interesting. I I think did you not know? Yes, yeah. So she did eventually marry um, 
yeah, she she eventually married. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, I think. Oh no, Roku married. Oh, okay, yeah. So Roku married her other sister, his other sister, basically. Right then. So let me continue. Sorry, I got a bit sidetracked there. Uh, so, uh, as he can use the resources of the Fire Nation, uh, ultimately prevailed in this rivalry. Uh, sorry, as he could use the the resources of the Fire Nation as he saw fit. Uh, Sozin was greatly empowered, uh, greatly empowered his military and eventually started the Hundred Year War in, in an attempt to unite the world under the Fire Lord's reign. Uh, so then there was obviously the genocide of the Air Nomads, the attack on the Northern Water Tribe, the attack on the Southern Water Tribe uh, was within Azulon's reign. So during Azulon's reign, Prince Iroh was first in line to the throne, but after Iroh's son Luton was killed, uh, Ira abandoned the mission to take Barsing Se and return home. Prince Ozai, the second born son, called a meeting with Azulon in which he attempted to persuade his father to name him as the heir. Um, so then, basically, um, Ursa gave Ozai some poison and Ozai killed his own father. So, is, is this reminding anyone of the, um, the. Greek and Romans, how they would just, you know, just kill their brothers, kill their mother. Oh, yeah. Yeah. History. Yeah. Um, right then. Um, so then, then uh, eventually he was crowned Fire Lord. Uh, and yeah, this is where uh, Solar's part comes in. Yeah, so when he was crowned Fire Lord, he. Wait, sorry. Yeah, so he basically kept the war going, and he planned to utilize the um, Sozin's comet to burn down the Earth Kingdom, and he was used that immense power to basically just have one final attack. And when this happened, he declared himself the Phoenix King, and he gave the role of the Fire Lord to Azula, but also at the same time giving himself basically the same thing as the Fire Lord, just with a different name. When this happened, after Aang used his energy bending to like remove his firebending abilities, much longer later Zuko was crowned and then Ozai was sent to life in prison for all of the like war crimes he's committed, but he still had an influence on politics and some of his loyal followers created the new Ozai society. Have you guys got anything to say about New Ozai Society? Like, yeah. So, so New Ozai Society was created sort of when Ozai was overthrown, uh, and they have a feature in Smoke and Shadow mainly. They also to... have a feature in the um <clears throat> in the like the free Avatar Day comic, not Avatar Day, but the free Comic Day comic book. Yeah, and this year I'm gonna make sure I don't forget free Comic Book Day. Um, yeah. Yeah, because that was in the, like, Avatar Legends, I think. Yeah. Not Avatar Legends. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, okay. Avatar Tales. Is, so, does that conclude everything, then? Um, Otis, well, there was also, to... like, um, I was going to do a bit about Ozai's, like, personality as well. Oh, that's cool, then. Uh, like, yeah. there's, <clears throat> there's, like, one line that says a lot about him. It's just What I'm trying to say is there's no right or wrong apart from what you decide. 
whom you choose to defend deserves to be defended simply because you chose them. You are the Fire Lord. What you choose, by definition, is right. And he says this to Zuko. Yeah, and that's, I, f- I think that's, as, as you think, is quite an interesting, um... Like, look at his character. Yeah, and I mean, all of the points are kind of, like, very valid, but, um... What I'm not sure is just, um... I mean, like, this whole kind of, like, um... Yeah, I mean, I mean, I agree with you. Do you want to carry on talking, uh, Solo, or should I talk well, about Fire like, Lord? Yeah, Zuni? he doesn't really like. He's very stubborn. Like he'll, he'll decide something's correct, and then he'll never change his mind. He'll never forgive. Like, he's easily angered. He like he's power hungry, and he's always showing these like he doesn't think what he he thinks morality is a sign of weakness, all that kind of stuff. And like, Ozai admitted to Zuko that he would have gladly killed him if um, Ursa hadn't interfered as well. So he's like, he's completely fine with killing Zuko, like he doesn't care as long as he can become like Fire Lord. Yeah, I can see Orion uh, looking through his uh, little book there. <laughs> what, are you, what are you trying to find, Orion? No, I'm, I'm just, I'm actually editing the fandom with some more references from this book. Okay, uh, do, do you think it's a good time for me to start talking about, um, well, we, we kind of skipped over Zuko just because you've done a whole episode dedicated to Zuko. Yeah, and we've done a whole episode, de- yeah, done a whole episode dedicated to Zula. Please listen to them if you haven't listened to this. I mean, if you've listened to this. Yeah, yeah, we'll link in the description to our episode on Azula and Zuko. Yeah, but do you think the right time, this would be the right time for me starting to talk about Azumi? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay, so I've got um I've got some stuff in. So firstly, you don't know who is Fire Zumi is, daughter of um Zuko and what we think May. But um so she was born as the princess of the Fire Nation to Lord Zuko following the Hundred Years' War. Uh, at some point during her life she had a son, who she named Iroh after her great uncle. And a daughter, uh, as the crown princess of the Fire Nation, Azumi ascended to the throne as Fire Lord following her father's abdication in uh, 167 AG. Azumi became famous for her efforts to reform the Fire Nation's government and cultivate peaceful relations with other nations, including the United Republic. Zuko shared her eagerness to continue to move away from the Fire Nation's brutal past. Technically, her son Iroh is in line for the throne, but his status as general in the United Forces made that uncertain. Azumi's goal to stay out of military conflicts didn't always mesh well with Iroh's duties, and the two sometimes disagreed about the best course of action. Yeah, and um, I just I just want to make a point here, because in The Legend of Korra, um, the, the sort of leaders meet up when Kavira's attacked, and she refuses to give troops. Um, and yeah, I, I pro- I'm guessing that's what the fandom is alluding to there. Yeah, that's what I think. Um, but um, then following the uh, anarchy in the uh, Earth Kingdom, sorry, background noise, in 171 AG, Azumi and the other world leaders tasked Kuvira with restoring aura, uh, restoring order to um, uh, the chaos-ravaged nation granting her the position of interim president 
until the Earth Kingdom was stabilized enough to, for Prince Ru's return and restoration to the Earth Kingdom throne. But uh, I'm going to carry on with my kind of slight timeline structure here. As in 174 AD, three years later, Azumi traveled to Republic City in her official capacity as Fire Lord to attend Prince Rouge's coronation as the 54th Earth King. There she sat next to her father and witnessed Kuvira denounce Rouge's authority and dissolve the Earth Kingdom in favor of the Earth Empire. Under her own rule, Izumi and the other world leaders convened after the coronation and agreed to send Suyin Bei Fong as their representative to speak with Kuvira and convince the metal bender to step down. Weeks after Korra failed to stop Kuvira from taking Zhao Fu, Izumi attended another meeting, again with world leaders. Although the Water Tribe's representatives at City Hall, uh, she was unimpressed with Wu's suggestion to attack Kuvira with an army of highly trained Badgermoles and her glare down towards the eccentric ideas of the Earth Kingdom Royal before they can continue. Their meeting was interrupted by Korra and later by Bolin and Varok, who alerted them of Kuvira's plan. But basically, she played a very important part in all of that. And she basically helped them, uh, helped them stop uh, their um, attack on uh, Republic City, which I think is quite good. And I'm, I mean, that's up to date with all of the Fire Lords we have now. So uh, um, unless Orion or Soda have anything to say, that's all we've got to talk about. No. No. Yeah. Well, actually, before we end, I just want to give a um, a, a just just want to tell you that in the d- description of this episode. Uh, we are going to, um, I'm going to put a link in so you can watch our Spotify wrapped uh, for, ah. for um, this year. So essentially, the, you'll be able to see um, our stats for this year. Um, and thanks so much, because you listeners have been amazing help. Uh, and um, we're so, so glad to, that people actually enjoy listening to this podcast. Um, and yeah, basically, if in also if you yeah. comment in the comments uh, of this episode, if you're on iPhone or iPad or Android, uh, then we can actually uh, see your comments and we can uh, sort of uh, tailor the episodes based on what you guys say. Um, but yeah, overall, big shout out to all of you guys listening right now. Yeah, 51% of people that listen to our podcast have actually followed, which actually makes me really happy. And I know it's not many, but it is majority of you guys who subscribe. Yeah. So the other majority, 49%, please do consider subscribing. But of course, if you don't want to, that's completely fine as long as you enjoy the episode. Uh, and as always, remember to give a like, subscribe, and drop us a comment wherever you listen. Bye!